So Ruth, chapter 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Marlon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. They had lived there about ten years. Both Marlon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness, as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realised that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty brought misfortune upon me. 
So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Now, could you put your hand up? I'm not going to judge anyone here at all. If you've read the book of Ruth, I just want to, I'm interested in this. Oh, quite a lot of you. So you know the end. You know the end. But if, if, if this were a soap, then it would, it would, it's a bit of a thriller, but it's more like an everyday soap story. It's a story of everyday life in the Middle East. And it, it, it's got four chapters and it's got a bit of a cliffhanger at the end of this chapter. I'll talk to you about that later. So that's partly why I wanted to know. So you know the end, but other people don't. But if you, if you want to, you could read it all after we've talked about it. But we're going to look at chapter one tonight. And you might think, oh, oh this is just a story, you know, from years ago. What relevance has it got for me? It's, a, it's just a story. And as I said, it, it, it's a soap rather than a thriller, right? It's everyday life. It doesn't have incredible peaks and troughs. It's, it's got a lovely, lovely, gentle nature to it. Everyday life with its highs and lows. And you might think, well, why is this book in the Bible? I mean, it's just a story about a family, a woman called Ruth who had some tough times, then things improved for her. She experienced tears, she experienced laughter like we all do. An average Middle Eastern family here, very ordinary family. Ruth's a very ordinary, everyday sort of person. In fact, she's a bit like you and me. And you might also think, sitting there, you think, well, you know, no one ever write a book about my life. My, my life's not worth writing about. Um, but I want to encourage you that Ruth's life was completely unique, completely unique. And God worked through that life in an amazing way. And it's an incredible, valuable story to tell. That's why it's in the Bible. But to encourage you, in the same way your lives are also incredibly valuable, and God's working in your lives, they're worth telling that, it's worth telling that story. And that story can help others too. Let's just pray for a minute. Lord of all, we thank you for this book of Ruth. Um, we just thank you so much for it, in, in, in many ways, in its simplicity. And um, we thank you too for our lives that you've given to us. And um, we pray that as the book of Ruth can help others and has helped others through the centuries, that our lives may help others too. To your glory. Amen. So one of the features too of the book of Ruth is there's not a massive emphasis on God um, speaking to Naomi or Ruth in, a, in an obvious way. If you know the whole book, you'll definitely know that. But there's it, no thunder and lightning here, followed by a still, small, quiet voice. There's, there's no burning bush here at all. It, it's none of this dramatic stuff. But, but, in the book of Ruth, we, we see God speaking in the background, or God acting in the background quite a lot. And um, so it's as if his still small voice is there in the background and he's, he's guiding things in the background um, to help Ruth, to help her family, to help Naomi. So as we come to this series on Ruth, um, bear that in mind because that will come out more and more as we go through. You'll see 
Uh, next week we've got open to question, but then we follow on with the next three chapters after that. You'll see how God is at work in the background. And of course that God encourages us to look out for God working in the background of our lives too. Um, to be attentive to what God's up to so that we can join him in whatever he's up to and help others through that, help others to faith in Jesus, help others in so many ways. And to me, I, I got a little nudge from God to say, yeah, you know, I'm still here. When, when I came to preach on this tonight, because I absolutely love the book of Ruth, I always have done, but I, th- I don't know who came up with it. Eddie will have certainly come up with the rotor, and Jamie maybe as well, because he, he's been involved in the evening services a lot. But I, I, you know, I'm really chuffed, to be honest, to be able to speak about Ruth tonight. And I was so pleased to get it. And, and to me, that's a bit of a, you could say that's a coincidence, couldn't you? Uh, but actually, I think it's a bit of a God incidence. And God's nudging me a bit and saying, look, I'm still here. Go and talk about that. So I'm honoured, really, to talk about it, because it's one of my favourite books. And I, I did a weekend with the youth in this church, youth. Oh, look, they're glaring at me. Oh, dear. Sorry, I shouldn't call you youth. But anyway, we did a weekend away, probably early 90s or late 80s. But it was on Ruth, and I led that weekend. So I'm really pleased to be able to do it tonight. So anyway, let's get get to the passage. So have you got your Bible still open? If you've got your Bible there, that might help you. But also the the references will appear on the screen. But um, if we can have the map up, this this is the journey. I don't know if it's big enough, really, for you to read. I should have just got that bit looking at it now, anyway. Um, so there's a shortage of food in Israel. Naomi's husband, Elimelech, and their two sons, Marlon and Killian, from uh, Bethlehem, go to Moab, which is a neighboring country where there's more food available. So that's route one. Now, if you can't see the numbers, can you see it out there? It's the top route, and the arrows are going that way, so it's fairly obvious. That's route one on the map. And of course, things don't turn out so well. In fact, they turn out very badly. Elimelech died. Naomi's sons then married two wives among the Moabites, Orpah and Ruth. But then her sons die. Only the women are left alive. So then Ruth and Naomi return to Bethlehem. That's towards the end of this chapter. With Oprah, Ruth's sister-in-law, staying in Moab. So there's just two come back, Ruth and Naomi. So that's number two, as you can see. And it's a sad tale, isn't it? I mean, what are they to do? We've got these two women left alone. They're bereaved. Uh, they come back to Bethlehem. So it's, it's a pretty sad situation. So let's think, what was it like to be a woman like Ruth and Naomi, her mother-in-law, in the Middle East at this time? So the women didn't have a high status. They were dependent on their husband to have some kind of security in life. Uh, children would hopefully come from the, the marriage and they would hopefully help their parents as they got old, older. Uh, Ruth, going back to, going to Bethlehem, had additional problems to face because she was a foreigner, but she was a Moabite too. And there was historically a very uneasy relationship between the Moabites and the Israelites. The Moabites worshipped a warrior god called Chemosh and Ruth would not be certain of a warm welcome in Bethlehem, really, I don't think. She must have been a bit worried when she goes back at the end of the story uh, on this chapter. She must have been a bit worried. And she's a refugee 
facing the difficulties of being a widow, poor, as was Naomi, when they came to Bethlehem. They're widows, they're among the poorest in society. Without husband, they're very, very vulnerable people in that culture of the day. They're very vulnerable. So we've got a story here about people who aren't really doing that well, are they? They're not secure in life. They're struggling. They're struggling. I don't know if any of you feel like that tonight. I don't know your situation. But when we, we struggle in life, and we all do from time to time, I think the book of Ruth is there for us. It reminds us that God is there for us in our struggles. And the background, in the background, our kind and loving God is active in helping Ruth and Naomi. As our kind and loving God is also active in all of our lives, whether we're following Jesus yet or not, he's active in our lives, I believe, right now. So let's focus now on Naomi for a little bit. Because Naomi and her sons, I would reckon, are probably the only believers in Yahweh, the God of Israel, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that Ruth knows. Now, it might be there were some more Israelites did leave uh, Bethlehem and that region too, but certainly she knows these people. So Naomi is an important witness to Ruth about what God's like. She believes in Yahweh. She believes in God, the Israelite God. And um, Naomi must have had an influence on Ruth, mustn't she? So it, it set me wondering, um, how did Naomi's faith in God come through in her life? How did she show her faith? Now if we take that decision Naomi took to go back to Bethlehem, as there's now more food available, we can see that she, with Ruth and Oprah, set out together to travel to Naomi's home. Then Naomi must have started thinking of the welfare of her daughters-in-law. So they set out, and then she's thinking, no, I can't, I can't take them back with me. She's very close to them. They'd all been through these difficult times together, and she wanted the best for them. She felt, despite the loss to herself, it'd be better for them to stay in Moab and remarry. You can see it there in verse 8. Naomi said to her two daughters, oh, oh, go, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you've shown kindness to your dead husbands and me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud. So it's a very, very emotional moment, isn't it? So when Naomi says, may the Lord show you kindness, she's being open about her faith, isn't she? What she believes in, about God. And I, I would sort of say the word kindness, I think, is hesed, and, and it's much deeper than the, just the word kindness we, we understand in English. And it could be said, it's may the Lord show his kindness, only God can show this deep kindness to you. The word used very much reflects the depth and the love and the commitment and the mercy and kindness of God. So Naomi is clearly being open about her faith in God and demonstrating her selfless love for these two young widows in wishing God's blessing and kindness on them. She's putting them first, isn't she? And encouraging them to recognize her kind and loving God. And, and you can see the depth of the loss as, as there's tears as they part. She kissed them goodbye, they wept aloud. So here, Naomi's self-giving attitude 
putting her daughter-in-law above herself, that must have been a really strong witness to them, I would have thought, and to Ruth. Of course, that, we see that same self-giving attitude in God constantly and in Jesus giving himself for us on the cross so that we could come into his family, be forgiven, come to him eternally in his, members, in his family. So when we're on our front lines, whatever we do this week, do we show that same self-giving attitude that God shows us? Do we wish God's blessing on others? Are we open about our faith? Do we love our neighbour? Our neighbour includes people like Ruth, people who are widows, bereaved, refugees, suffering from poverty. Because Naomi's behaviour here is an encouragement to us to be like her in our daily lives, to all people, no matter what their background or status But then both of them say, no, no, we're going to stay with you, Naomi. Opera and Ruth say, no, we'll stay with you and go back to your homeland. But Naomi, then she still carries on thinking of them, thinking of their, their needs more than hers. She continues encouraging them to return to their families in Moab, saying, look, there's no chance in having a husband for support. That's their only hope, really, in that society. Uh, she's saying, don't stay with me. Naomi refers here to a law, which you'll hear more about in later uh, chapters of this book. Uh, there was a law called Leverett marriage. I don't know if I said that right. Matt might know. No, he doesn't know. Do you know? You've just done a Greek and stuff. Anyway. Anyway, it's this law that was designed to help people whose husbands died so you could have children to another relative, to sum it up briefly. And you'll see that come out in the next few chapters. So it's verse 11 on there I'm thinking of here. So she says, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Uh, Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband, even though if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait till they grew up? You know, would you remain unmarried? No, my daughters, it's, better. it's more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. So that she's starting to reveal that, you know, she just doesn't, she feels she's hard done by, by the Lord. The Lord's hand's turned against me. Uh, she's bitter about it. She's thinking of the suffering they've all been through and she's lost her husband and her sons. So with tears, Orpah decides to follow Naomi's advice and return to her family. So you could say she made a sensible decision, but I, Ruth doesn't go. This is the thing, Ruth doesn't go. Now Orpah's going back, people she's familiar with maybe, they're Moabites, she won't feel threatened, she's not a refugee. But Ruth does not go with Orpah. Ruth takes the risk of rejection as a Moabite refugee when she gets to Bethlehem. So why does Ruth do this? Why does she do it? Well, Ruth makes the most amazing statement here, demonstrating a desire to stick with Naomi, but not only to stick with Naomi, to stick with her people, and to follow Yahweh, the God of Israel, who we now know as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This, this is an amazing statement. So let's just read this bit, verse 6. Um, Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. 
Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So Ruth here, this is a conversion, if you like. Ruth makes a bold, wholehearted commitment to Naomi, to the followers of God, to God himself. Her commitment is not without cost and it's not without risk. She doesn't know how she'll be received in Bethlehem as a foreigner, a refugee, a Moabite, but she still makes this very strong commitment to God. There's risk involved. And there are some set words here which make her oath even more serious, which occur elsewhere in the Old Testament. Not many places, though, because it's such a serious oath. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely. Those words. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely. Because this was an oath used in the ancient world and recorded in a few other places in Scripture. It almost implies God can kill the person if they don't do what they've said. If they don't stick to it. That's heavy commitment. When you became a Christian, did you say that to God? I didn't. (laughs) This is pretty heavy stuff. So I believe Ruth is convinced of God's kind and loving nature as well as his power over life and death. And she's seen enough in the life of Naomi, maybe in the life of her husband as well, who follow the God of Israel to convince her of God's goodness, love, power over life and death. And I find this challenging. I don't know how you feel about it. Uh, If someone were looking at my life, would they see enough evidence of God's love and goodness in the way I am every day to be convinced to follow God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Would they? And if you're sitting there and you follow Jesus at the moment, someone to look at your life similarly, would they see enough evidence of God's love and goodness in the way you are every day, in your front line, what you do all week, to be convinced to follow God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But Ruth was convinced. She was convinced. So she, she decided to do it, despite the risks. Now, if, like me, you feel maybe your life may be not that convincing to others to follow Jesus, then maybe the next part of this passage will encourage you slightly, and me. Because Naomi wasn't perfect by any means. So it's a bit of encouragement here. She wasn't perfect. When they arrive in Bethlehem, uh, in fact, she started hinting at it with the bitterness already. Naomi does start moaning about God a bit. She feels God has it in for her with her misfortunes losing her husband's sons, presumably. And I wonder if she also did a bit of complaining also when she was with Moab with her daughters-in-law. But this did not put Ruth off from making that commitment to follow Yahweh, to follow God. Uh, Verse 20, this is important, there's a little play of words going on here if you look up verse 20. If you look up the notes, you'll find out exactly what I found out. But she says, don't call me Naomi, she told them when she got to Jerusalem. Call me Mara. Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. Naomi means pleasant and Mara means bitter. So she said, then says, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune on me. So 
here, I think Naomi's being honest about her struggles and her feelings of bitterness. And still, Ruth became a very committed follower of Yahweh, of God. So I think that's a bit of encouragement for us. Despite our failings, despite our struggles, if we're honest about them, as well as our trust in God, as Naomi was, then I think we can draw others to faith too. I think honesty is the main thing here. Now, I've got someone else. I thought, oh, what you've got to have here, because Naomi was a great witness, wasn't she, to uh, Ruth. And I thought, well, it's a book of Ruth. So what we should hear from is a person called Ruth, you know, in the congregation. And I thought, Ruth, of course, Ruth. So Ruth's just going to share with us how she came to faith, just like the Ruth here. But it won't be just like the Ruth because she's got her own story. So do come down. She's got her own story. But it's just as important as Ruth's story here. So I'll hand over to her. Hello, everyone. When Andrew called me in the middle of the week and told me he would like me to share my testimony, I passed out laughing because I was like, yeah, we share a name, but I don't have a like, fire and lightning come to Jesus story. Um, but I was like, no, share your story. So, I mean, I'll just share it. And uh, yeah. So I met Jesus, I think, 20 years ago. I was back home in Kenya, which is my home country. At the time, I was um, a recent graduate uh, in a new job. Uh, from the outside, all looked to be going well. Um, but it was, the job was not fun for me. I was not enjoying it. It was a lot of pressure. Um, and internally, I was having a lot of turmoil, you know, wondering when it's all going to come crumbling down. Either my boss will fire me or I'll just give up, I'll burn out. And it was typical for me to be working on Sundays to get ahead of the week, so that at least uh, that's how I spend my Sundays. I used to go to work so that by Monday I, you know, I have a head start because it was really hectic. Um, I'd heard about Jesus before, uh, but I mean, I knew the story of salvation, but nothing had really like moved me or inspired me to make that choice. So I think six months into this role. Of course, I was feeling dreary. On a Sunday evening, uh, I was in the office alone trying to get ahead of my work, and I was just like, surely, is there a church open at this hour on a Sunday? It was around five uh, o'clock in the evening. I was really feeling down, and I had a colleague who was a Christian, so who used to openly share, not to me particularly, but I knew that he was a Christian. And so he's the first person who came to mind, and I called him and asked um, is to think there's a church open at this hour. And he directed me to the church he went to and told me, yes, they have an evening service. Maybe explains why I like evening services. Um, <laughs> so I was like, are they open? Where are they? He gave me direction. And I drove there and sat my usual place in the back bench just to listen to uh, what, what might be. I was just looking for some, something different to do on a Sunday evening. And I sat there, the worship was nice, I was enjoying it, and the preacher came on. And the story he told was of Jeremiah 18:4, um, verse 4, I remember very well. It was a story about uh, Jeremiah being sent to the potter's house. And the potter was making clay, and the clay become, became mud in his hands. 
and he made another pot that was befitting to him. And for some reason, that message just reflected uh, back to my life, like, because the preacher at the end asked, if your life needs to be, you know, to surrender your life to Jesus, that he can remake it again, maybe it's not going how your life, you think you should go. And for me, I don't know, I think it's the Holy Spirit, but I just felt like my life being reflected on me and being asked, like, the path you are on is not a great path. And I think typically in African countries, at the end, they normally ask people for an altar call. Um, Like, does anyone want to come in front to receive Jesus or to have prayer? And I just felt this is a call specifically for me and I made my way forward. Uh, I was prayed for the prayer of salvation to receive Jesus as my personal savior. And I think that's, uh, that was my journey. It's been, I think, over 20 years, turbulent journey, I think, of my life. But I, I think I can confidently say that my life has never been the same. Um, Jesus is really a friend indeed. So that's my story. No fire and brimstone, just, <laughs> just that. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. So it wasn't Naomi. And did he not, that bloke who said about the church, did he really talk much about Jesus at work or anything? Yeah, so he was open open like Naomi. And then he was there at the right time. Praise the Lord. Here you are, Ruth. And here's back to Ruth, the other Ruth. So that's really good. So, um, but the thing is, your stories are important. And I'm, I'm, I said to Ruth earlier, probably no one will remember anything I say. They'll remember what you said. Because that story is so powerful, you see, isn't it? And, and that's the point. Be open, share your story. Be open, share your story. Because the story of our life is a gift from God, unique to us. It's a gift. Now, when you get a gift... You should share it, shouldn't you? You know, when you give something to your grandchildren, you think, well, they've got to share it with their sister or brother or whatever as well because that's, that's what you do. So we've got a gift from God and that's the story of our life with God and what he's done for us. And, um, you know, it, it's a unique story like this story of Ruth here that's helping us this evening. But I think the other thing that Ruth does and I, um, is... is it helps us to think, okay, it's, it's not that obvious in Ruth and you can see God working in the background. And what I would sort of challenge you to do is to look at your life, look at how God's been working. Even if you're not yet a Christian, just see if you feel anyone's nudged you here tonight. I don't know. But the thing is, look at it and, and look at what God's been doing. Have a, reflection, have a reflect back on your life because that's a gift to other people. We're reflecting on Ruth and we need to reflect on our lives, be attentive to what God's been doing, and then you can share that with others and ask him through the power of his spirit to help, help you to be bold enough to do that and to encourage others to come to Jesus too. Um, and also the other thing that, I know Jane did this a while ago, when you do, do that process, you might well think, oh, that person really helped me at this stage. And what Jane did, Jane, my wife over here who did the reading, if you don't know, she wrote to her youth leader from years ago, who's now like 80 or something, isn't he? And he was really touched, you know, by what she wrote. And, and that can be such an encouragement. And, and, and there's things, it'd be great if everyone did that for everyone else, wouldn't it? Yeah. 
all the things you've done to help someone else would be great if they wrote to you about it. So it really encouraged him on his walk through life as well. So that's something you could do. I think that's a great, lovely thing to do. So if you're here this evening, <coughs> sorry, as someone who hasn't yet decided to follow Jesus, then I'd encourage you to follow that God who loves you so much, who's there in the background all the time. Come and chat to me afterwards. Do you want to do a roll call? Or you, maybe not tonight. You could do if you want. You're the leader. Because that's what they do in South Africa. I think we could learn from them anyway. Um, but the other thing is, um, the other thing is that uh, you don't know the impact that your life has on others. That's the other big point of this. Because you think, well, why is the book of Ruth there? Well, why is the book of Ruth there? Well, Ruth had no idea, of course, that through her line, through her children, through her grandchildren, through her great-grandchildren, eventually, I reckon it's around 30 generations. I'm not absolutely sure, down to Jesus, something like that. I tried to count it in Matthew, and I gave up in the end. But when Ruth's lineage comes down, comes down to Joseph, who, who was the husband of Mary, and the son was called Jesus, who gave his life for us. God came to live among us, to give his life. Look at the impact Ruth's life, that Moabite refugee came to Bethlehem right down through the centuries. Look at the impact of her life. Your and my life have the same kind of impact, but we just don't realise it. Obviously, pretty good being a whatever great-grandmother of Jesus. That's not bad, is it? But, you know. So we don't know the impact our lives are going to have. So that's an encouragement for you. And I want to leave you with a very encouraging verse from Paul. Because we don't realise the impact we have. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, sitting here tonight, it's as if, pretend I'm Paul, stand firm, let nothing move you, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Nothing is wasted in God's economy. Nothing we do is wasted when we work for God and his kingdom. It's just brilliant what he can do with ordinary people like Ruth, like Ruth, like you, and like me. And there's just a little teaser at the end before I pray. The next episode, the next episode, the last line of our reading says, Naomi and Ruth arrived in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. And that's like a little teaser. What's going to happen at the barley harvest? So make sure you come back in two weeks and hear chapter two. Let's just pray for a minute. Lord of all, we thank you that uh, you love and care for ordinary people like us, uh, everyday people like us. And we thank you, Lord, that the, your working in our lives is such a gift to others. Help us, Lord, to be open about our faith, like Naomi was, even with our struggles. She was open about her struggles too. And help us, Lord, too, to share that gift with others so that they may be drawn to faith in you too, Jesus. Amen.